At Kelly Companies, it is no secret that they believe in the power of people. In an effort to help their Keelians get to know each other a little bit better, they decided to launch the Who Do You Know campaign. The goal was simple. Keelians were encouraged to have a conversation with someone outside of their circle. That's it. These conversations, however, have brought people together and farthered their world-class culture. Shout out to the Keelians who have made an effort to have meaningful conversations with new friends. You can learn more about those conversations, about those amazing friends, by visiting them online at KeelyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. As we head into the holiday season, I believe that gratitude can inspire generosity. In choosing to lead a generous life, the world around us can actually be transformed for good. In 2007, Brad Formsma had an idea to inspire people around the globe to live generously. After selling his landscaping company, Brad became the founder and the president of I Like Giving. It's a movement which has inspired more than 125 million people in 170 countries to live generously. I'm going to say that one again. These are shocking numbers. He's impacted more than 125 million people in 170 nations. Today, Brad joins us to share practical ideas on inspiring us to live more generously through our thoughts, our words, our money, our influence, our time, our attention, our belongings, and in doing so, how we can create not only generous households, but a ripple effect that changes the world for good. My friends, you're going to leave this conversation inspired to become more other-focused, more generous, and be reminded how simple actions can have long-lasting, life-changing impact in the lives of others. So without further ado, I encourage you right now to buckle up, grab your favorite Live Inspired journal, and welcome with me my friend, soon to be yours, his name is Brad Formsma. Brad, my buddy, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. So good to be with you, sir. Man, when were we together last? Last fall? Don't tell my wife. We were in Napa Valley with some of our friends, and it was an awesome experience. It was. I tell you what, though, it was a day I felt for you as a communicator, and you are the best of the best, but they put you outside in baking sun, bro. If you had a golf towel, you, it would have been soaking by the time you were done wiping off your forehead. Remember that? Of course you do. Yeah, uh, I've only spoken outside three times. That was one of them. Another time was perfect. And then the very first time was in Southern Georgia, a high of 104 that day. They had a tent and it, it was as unbearable as it sounded. But man, I think if your heart for the message you're going to deliver is true, then not only is it able to be communicated effectively, it's able to be heard well. And the reason why I'm excited about today is, yeah, we're indoors and it's 72 degrees and the lighting's just right. But more than that, you've got a heart for the message that you'll be sharing with our audience. 
So I, I just gave this long rambling introduction of you, but if you and I were to bump into each other either outside in Napa Valley or at a bakery in Southern California, and I said, Brad, my name's John, tell me about you. How would you introduce yourself? Oh, I'd say, hi, John. I recently learned if I distill my life down to six words, it would be entrepreneurial spirit, life passion is giving. Well, that begs the question, dude, tell me more. It's a challenge from one of my successful friends who's in his uh, late 70s. He said, there's a research around picking six words and to define your life, go way back. What were some themes and trends? And so he started realizing that Brad, when he was seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, I mean, whether it was bugging my dad to push the lawnmower just a little bit to make a dollar or help out on a paper route or collect pop cans, this entrepreneurial thing was there. And started a business in high school and that kind of grew. But I've always had this generosity giving bug modeled to be by my grandpa. And we'll probably get into some of that story. But ultimately, when you look at those words of living generously, entrepreneurial spirit, life, passion is giving. I, as an entrepreneur, looked out there and said, I don't see anything that's using story to inspire people to move from awareness to action in their giving. And so what do entrepreneurs do? They find problems and they fix them or they create things that don't exist. So that's how we got rolling with I Like Giving. Well, I'm going to roll back even farther than that before you created that six word life statement. We're going to hop on a flight, you and I, we're going to land in Grand Rapids where you grew up. So, man, take us back in time a little bit. What was life like for you as a kid? Oh, John, I'm the oldest of five. I was 10 years old or so. My mom pulled in the driveway. I was actually working in the yard. She walked up to me with a grainy black and white picture. And she explained that while she thought she was pregnant for one, there were going to be two coming. And this is back in the day that you had about a three-week notice, buddy. <laughs> So our house was in chaos mode when those twins, my dad called them Pete and repeat, came home and we went from three to five and it was wild. And so I was trying to find ways to escape the house and I got an idea. My grandpa had a big commercial baking company and on Saturdays he'd go to this little test kitchen right outside of his office and make 16 specialty loaves. And that would start these little giving adventures. I didn't even know the word for it, but we would put those in the trunk of his car and we would go places in the city. I mean, we would go to a widow from his church and he'd squeeze those loaves of bread in her face. And, and then he'd just be like, I heard you had a rough week. You're going to have a great week next week. I, I think things are going to get better. Just affirm generous words. I just saw it modeled. And then another two loaves of bread and a letter of influence. And he just said, I'm just helping this guy, you know, use my influence, generous influence. So he just started seeing these things. Gosh, one time we went to a really wealthy family's house. We sit at the gate. He said, these people are so rich, they make their own soap. Hmm. And uh, apparently it was the Amway guys. So I would just see grandpa and he was just somebody larger than life, not perfect, intimidating, but a big, soft heart and just radically generous. So you're seeing this, the patriarch of the family running his business. And in addition to that, just giving into the community, like as a little boy, you're only 10. 
is that resonating in real time or is it going to take years to to slowly for the yeast to affect the, the, the loaf and for it to rise? Yeah, I, I mean, what a word picture. I used to be in landscaping before called me, God called me to this work that I'm doing today. So I think when we have seeds planted when we're young around the generous life, we, I think they lay there dormant. I went through my teens that had some had some pretty horrific things happen to me, John, in my teens and some bitterness because of how I was affected. And yet I think those seeds, when I really got to know Jesus as my friend and savior at 28, uh, those seeds just started to sprout. I always say if I died between 18 and 28, uh, might've been a little scary. I, I wouldn't want to take that risk again. You became this mountain of joy and generosity and love and abundance and just kindness. That's a pretty radical pivot, man, to go from one side of the spectrum all the way over to the other. So talk about a positive role model, a positive influence. You mentioned your grandfather. You mentioned this experience as a young kid. As you aged, who was someone else that stepped into your life and showed you a different, better way forward? Well, it's great. There's a guy in Grand Rapids, Michigan. His name's Claire. And I've kind of got a corny sense of humor, John, but he's this guy who everybody always would look to for spiritual advice. He was a former business guy. I was kind of attracted to that. So he wasn't like, you know, pastoral, but he was a mentor. He had a cancer battle early. So he was really focused on the importance of life. And we would, uh, back to the humor piece, you know, we'd always say, well, we got to go talk to the clarifier for that answer. But I think Claire was somebody who, you know, I noticed, I think this is a great challenge for all of us. If, if someone reaches out to you and we all have full lives, right? And so if somebody reaches out to you and says, I want to learn from you, or I want you to mentor me, I, I'm not really a big on, oh yeah, I want a quick answer. Yeah. We're going to meet coffee. I found that when I pursued Claire, appropriately and not too much over time. And then I actually did some of the things that he re recommended that that was life giving to him. I think some people think, oh, I got a problem. I'm just going to go get mentored for a minute. No, it's a journey. We're in this long process. So Claire was huge. And another friend, Jeff, I mean, several people just came along and I believe firmly that when you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you with himself and he's going to bring some of his kids along to meet you. And so I, I shifted friendship groups. I mean, when I, if we're going to go into the 28 year age range, when this major change, oh my gosh, John, our first son was born, Dan, and we did this baby dedication thing. And you got to love how, the sense of humor goes on this because here's Dan and I'm saying to the pastor, Hey, can you do this nice little dedication? Just do a little private one. And what do you charge? He's like, we don't charge for baby dedication. Uh, you know, I'm just all transactional at this point in my life. I said, do you just make it nice and we'll take care of you, you know? And so we have this little private dedication and what does he do? He talks for two minutes and then he's like, Brad's going to talk. And I'm like, this is why I want to be paying you because I wouldn't be paying you anymore, you know, because I had to pull all of this stuff that I got from church life and Christian home and Christian school that was all just rattling around in my head. 
and I want Dan to grow up in a Christian and all this. And I walked out of there, man. And it was like, I got a message. You're going to accept me or reject me, but we're not going to do this fence riding thing. And so I said, okay, Lord, have your way with me, whatever that means. And again, back to the seeds planted. I had learned a bunch of stuff in Christian school and all that was just dormant. I had learned stuff from my grandpa. It was just dormant and it just started to really pop. What were you doing professionally? I know what you're doing now and we'll talk about that in a bit. Your early career, what were you up to? Yeah. Uh, So in high school, my friend Carl was walking down the hallway and Carl had a lawn care company with like a hundred lawns. And I said, hey, Carl, I want to work for you as a junior in high school. He said, oh, I think you're a lazy sack. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll work for three days for free. If you like what you get, you can pay me something and I'll keep going. So he said, good, that's a deal. We'll do it. So I started with that. And then all of a sudden his dad needed him at his commercial business, unrelated to landscaping and lawn care. So Carl's like, can you just take these lawns? I was off to the races, but I remember that entrepreneurial spirit. Now I've got these hundred customers, John, and they're like, can you take out that bush? Can you cut this tree, put a retaining wall in? And so before you knew it, I was in the landscape business and a challenge margin. And then we grew it to one of the biggest in our city, uh, first generation, which is powerful because a lot of those are multiple generation And then I was on a run in 2005, May of 2005. Things are going great. Live in a beautiful home with a beautiful landscape, as you would imagine. And a good family, three kids. And I was reading a book about God's spirit and how he impresses things on us. And I didn't really grow up with a lot of this teaching. And so I'm on a run on a natural beauty road. And I'm like, Lord, what would you have me do? I'm reading this book that says you talk to me. And I got this strong sense, impression. I'm going to use you to encourage people in their giving. And it's going to bring greater hope and joy to other people because it's my message that it's better to give than receive. I went home and journaled that. I, I have it in my, remember when we used to have journals, those big red hardback ones with gold embossed 2004, 2005. And I, I still have that. And I went home and I wrote, I got this feeling. And then within about a, two years, we sold the business and wow. I did not sell it. Man, did, for the longest time, did I want to sell a business, make a bunch of money and then do, go do something good. I barely got out of it. The The onset of the, the Great Recession was just starting. So it was an asset sale. It was a major step of faith. My wife's security gland was a mess, man. I triggered that thing bad. But I really felt God calling me to start something different. And we did. I'm excited to talk about what those assets turned into, because it may not have at first been dollar bills, but it certainly has become impact. And sometimes we get that type of impact through what we read and then what we do with it. You got so many stories around this, but I think the one that is most beautiful in some regards is the Sudanese family. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that was wild, isn't it? Well, man, it's so practical and all of us have read that. We all read that article. Now, it, for us, it wasn't the Sudanese family. It was the, the Vietnamese family. It was the Bosnian family. It was the neighbor next door who had a house fire. It was our brothers going through a financial struggle. We've all read the article. 
the weird thing about you, Brad, is you read the article and you did something. So please share that. Just a nod to Grandpa. God, Grandpa Don. Get your antenna working. And of course, my kids today are like, Dad, you got to tell people what an antenna is. Our generation. But you get it. You know, you the old car, you turn it on, the antenna goes up. You, you have to be looking and listening. I read this article in the Grand Rapids Press where we lived at the time. Now we live in Southern California. It was basically a Sudanese father and son who had been firebombed out of their village. They lost friends. They lost family. And now here they are in a duplex with clothes on their back and two bikes that somebody had given them. And the bike was the son's main toy and the bike was the dad's mode transportation to work. I read further and we had at the time 10, seven and two year old kids. And Laura's there, my wife as well. And so I'm reading this and we realized somebody came along and stole their bikes. So I just said, oh my gosh, what should we do? And, and Dan's like my oldest, we got to go get them bikes. And I'm like, you're right. We got to go get them bikes. So we ended up jumping in the minivan and went to the bike store, loaded two bikes in the back. And John, as we pulled up to that first stop sign, my wife goes, oh, do you know where they live? I'm like, no, they don't put addresses to stories in the newspaper. So I'm calling the, the church and that sponsored them. And God bless whoever answered. But I, if he's listening, bro, you got to change your approach. The guy goes, well, I can't give you that information. Just give the bikes to Wheels for Jesus. And I'm like, this isn't about Wheels for Jesus. They have an immediate need. Plus, I'm trying to do what my grandpa did, which is model something to my kids and make an immediate need, right? Like, come on. So he gives me a long shot, you know, south end of Grand Rapids, which is not a small square footage. And we started out on a wild goose chase for hours. I mean, O'Leary, there's Cheerios in the back of the car. We did every burger, ice cream stop. And eventually we found him. You know why we did? The newspaper had a picture of these father and son, and they were in front of their duplex, and there was a green hose reel. So when we were turning down these streets, we were just moving up and down them and looking for a duplex with a green hose reel. If it didn't have that, we were rolling, and that's how we found them. And so when they we, we got in touch, the dad came out, and no language communication, so the big barrier so he jumps on the bike and just starts riding down the road. I like bike. I like bike. I like bike as he's yelling. We're like, okay, you like bikes. Bless you. So we rolled out of there and Laura looks at me and she goes, you're not going to believe what I was hearing. I kept getting so much noise in my head. Why are you wasting your time? There's going to be hundreds of bikes in that front yard when you get there. And she said there weren't any bikes. Twinkle in her eye, squeezing my hand. She's like, you know what? I think we had an assignment today. Oh. And if that wasn't like enough in the moment from the back of the car, John, somebody, I think it was Dan, says, that was way better than us going to the water park today. And for me, it was just a snap. Oh, there it is again. When kids experience the truth that it's better to give than receive it's sticky it's right it's just extra Im impactful 
And can you imagine where that bike story would take us? Because I would share, I'm a story guy, right? I love stories. And so I would share the bike story with people. And one day my friend Scott texts me, he's like, I like cavities. I'm like, what? And so that led to me calling him and he's like, yeah, I was at the dentist's office. I overheard this single mom, 926 bucks, three girls, husband just walked out. Can I do payments? He's like, I'm sitting there going, oh man, all I can hear is I like bike. I like bike in my head. Like, this is my moment. Formsman said, get your antenna working. And he's like, you know me, I'm introverted. I don't, I don't even know if I like people. <laughs> anyway, he said he stepped up and helped her out. And he said it was a waterworks for him and for her. And he's like, I had been looking for other ways to give. Mm. And the bike story sparked this generosity inspires generosity thing. So there you have it. There's so much there. And I think I'm going to begin with the front yard of that house. Why weren't there bikes all over the place? And not only in the Sudanese family's front yard, but you know where I'm going with this. When the wrong is so clear and the solution is so evident, why wasn't that front yard just slammed with bikes? You know, it's a question that's got profound implications. I think that Again, I don't like to over-spiritualize everything, but I do think there are four-letter words like fear and busy that get in the way. Debt also does. That's another four-letter word. I also think that people, most people are followers. You are a leader, my friend. And a lot of people follow. Most people follow. And so it takes usually a leader to do something like this. I wish it was for everybody. But I've had people say, well, what if you could never find him? I'm like, yeah, what if we died in the car because we were getting fumigated by four bike tires in a combined space? I mean, it was like oily, rubbery, awful. We'd have these moments where we'd roll all the windows down. Everybody, like, roll them down, you know, clear it out. I've grown from being judgmental about that to wanting to be part of the solution to invite people in mm. to experience the joy that we all experienced that day. A storm came in and out. Yes, I probably filled the vacuum, sucking up all the Cheerios for my two-year-old daughter. She wasn't having it. In fact, we reenacted this story at ilikegiving.com. You can watch I Like Bike. I mean, it, I hope I didn't make this sound like it was a perfect afternoon. It was inconvenient. Yes. It was frustrating. And yet we got her done, man. You got her done. You've had this wild journey in life, lots of evidence of generosity and goodness and joy, but also some struggles along the way. Some you talk about publicly, many, many you don't, but one that you do frequently is a leukemia diagnosis. Talk about that diagnosis and, and how has that impacted not only your sense of generosity, but your sense of the preciousness of life? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. 2012, December. I'll never forget it. We're four or five days before Christmas. Went out for a run in Michigan. It was one of those balmy 49 degree days. Uh, came home. My wife's in the basement and she's not happy because she's trying to wrap the kids' Christmas gifts in the playroom. We're clean freaks. 
but this room smelled and apparently a mouse got in from the cold winter and died in the wall. We didn't know that. So we were thinking we just needed to clean this room before we went to a neighborhood Christmas party. And she handed me a big kid's dollhouse as we were cleaning it and the side of it fell down and jabbed the top of my foot. And I know I was saying four letter words earlier, but I used a couple of those. It hurt bad. I don't know if you know this, you don't have a lot of fat on the top of your foot. And uh, bled a little bit, went and took a shower and then like an idiot, just slid on some loafers and no socks, went to a neighborhood party. And uh, so those of you that are curious, don't put an open wound like on your foot in a shoe without a sock. It's like a Petri dish. So it got infected and quickly moving through the story of the wrong antibiotic. And so this thing got really bad. It, it pretty much doubled in size. I ended up in the hospital. Somebody even came through and said, if they talk to you about removing your foot and I'm charismatic enough to say, I'm not taking this foot off. You're not taking this foot off. I'm going to walk out of here. And so we, that ended up happening. But in the process, I met a doctor who was very intrigued by story at one in the morning. I wasn't really interested in telling him giving stories, but we did formed or developed a relationship. He gave me a cell phone. He said, I just want to stay in touch. And then one day he called me in March and he said, I can't stop thinking about you and I don't like your numbers. And so I've made an appointment for you at a hematologist. And he said, I think you've got some kind of leukemia. I went down to this office. The guy told me I had two years to live if I didn't take this medicine and it might work. And oh, by the way, it's 300 bucks a day. It was a moment. I walked out of there. My life flashed before my eyes and that's interesting about that, John, is you've had your life flash before yours. I think anybody listening to this has or will. Yeah. And so for me, that was a, a moment to really realize my faith was real. I'm thankful I had a good friend. I called Dave and we had it. It was pretty emotional. I'm like, Dave, what's going to happen? What are we going to do here? So that was a difficult time for sure. To me, being happy when it's sunny is relatively simple. Being generous when you're wealthy is relatively simple. Being faithful when you're healthy is relatively simple. Uh, Doing those things when you've got a leukemia diagnosis, two years probably to live. Man, it seems like that would be a very difficult time to be faithful, generous, and happy. You triggered something. Mark Batterson is a author. He's written a lot of books. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C. Wrote a book called The Circle Maker. We've been friends for a long time. And he uses this language called predecision. And Laura and I had made a predecision that we want to live generously, and which we talk about in the seven ways of, and, and I like giving, and we can talk about that later. But the predecision here is so important for your audience to hear because the decision was made, we want to live generously. And it wasn't contingent on rainbows and butterflies and sunshine and everything going up and to the right. And so when this came, it was a setback, but we had already put into motion kind of consistent giving and what we would do. And so that that allowed us to just say, well, we're just going to hold hold the line and it even allowed, like my son came to us one day because we, you know how Ramsey talks about having an emergency fund? Well, we talk about a giving f- emergency fund. 
So we have this special amount of money off to the side. There's no tax benefit giving for it. And we just said to our kids, we can't meet every need and we're not wealthy people, but we can do something. We all can do something. And so if you see something, part of the teaching the next generation is if you see an opportunity and your antenna is working, come to us. So Dan came to us and said, hey, my friend Nolan, his dad's got brain cancer. He's going to die in two months. Is there anything we can do? And that really led us, John, to an opportunity to be others focused right away. I mean, here I am with this diagnosis, but then we're hearing about this other dad. And so we thought, oh, we're just going to get them like a, a gift card. So we got a gift card, sent it to them. And two months later, this man died. It was just awful. But would you believe his wife sent us a note a couple months later and said, I just want you guys to know that my husband, Tom, was pacing back and forth in our living room, asking God to provide money for new tires for my car for the winter before he went to heaven. And your gift card covered that. And what a thing. The creator of the universe is working through busted up broken people to answer prayers. Like that's a pretty wild. Huh. It was so much focus. We look for ways to just focus on others that it helped get us out of the funk. That doesn't mean I have had some of the worst days of my life. I've been down. I've been depressed. The chemo sucked a lot of energy out of me. I think in all these moments you, you do, you just look for opportunities, man. I mean, we're all at different times dealing with stuff. Can I be kind and be generous with my word? I don't get it right every time. Just ask those that live with me. Um, when I go through TSA, like you do, those are always huge tests on my generous life. <laughs> so It's all a test. TSA is an obvious example, but it's keep your eyes open for the lack of generosity in the marketplace. And you will find it in the roads on the byways, on the highways and the sidewalks in the bedrooms in every single aspect of life. It is there and the opportunity to strive to redeem it. So man, you've been striving not only through your cancer diagnosis through the miraculous healing, but also in your life subsequently of being a model of generosity, almost 15 years now of doing this kind of work. What what has surprised you most about giving? How much of a incredible adventure it is and how there is, there's really no destination. I mean, you're just never, the proverb says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. World of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So like, I just think we keep leaning in. And when we started I Like Giving because of that bike story to inspire people to live generously, John, there's just no way that I could have known what it's becoming. And so I think that's part of this. If you feel a nudge to do something or whatever your work is, when you start looking at it as others oriented, it, it, it really is something. It's powerful. The other thing that surprised me is how many people who don't have that much are freaking so generous. Completely right. And, and, you know, there's a stat out there, like after a hundred grand or 150 grand, the, the giving kind of stays stagnant. And then, you know, you'd think a guy making a million bucks a year or a million a month. And I know guys that do both of those things. 
their percentage of giving is, you know, there's a point zero before we start putting a number to it. It's shocking. There are some that I know that are just nuts. They give half away and we could talk about our friends who own Hobby Lobby and that powerful story. So there's, there's good stories out there. I'm going to shift away from money because I, I think the easy thing to do from our, you know, our listeners are going on their little walks right now and they're driving to work right now. They're picking the kids up from school right now. And, and they're probably thinking, well, I don't have Hobby Lobby type money, man. And one of the cool things that I've learned from you is generosity and giving is actually not all that much to do with your money. That's a part of it. But there are at least, and a lot more than at least, at least six other types of ways that you can be generous. And today, I just wanted to discuss a couple of ways. One is through your thoughts. Why is being generous with your thoughts important? Well, thank you for the catch. See, I went to money. When we survey kids across schools across America, we ask them, what is giving or generosity? And uh, most of the time they say it's money. And then if we ask them, well, what is it talked about and like in your family? Well, we either have a lot of it and my parents write checks or we don't have enough of it and we argue about it all the time. Um, And so I look at giving and just back to that Hobby Lobby comment as much, it's it's a percentage thing. It's not, zeros don't matter in terms of, you know, what we're talking about. So the seven ways of living generously, one of them you just mentioned, generosity of thoughts. Wow, where do we start? Can I give somebody the benefit of the doubt? When you think about what you think about, it's kind of scary sometimes. So that's a really a great question for everybody on their walks. What do you think about when you think about what you think about? What I started to realize is some of my self-talk isn't so kind and it's not generous. I'm not the right scale. I'm not the right this. I don't have this bank account. And it is scary enough, thoughts that we thought about yesterday, like 80, 90% of them we'll think about today unless we are intentional to re-change our thinking. And you're great at teaching this. You get people to think and you can change. You just have to do that. And you got control over it. And so we started to realize when we can teach business leaders how to teach this in their companies and themselves, and then at schools, kids about how to be generous with our thoughts towards ourselves and others. And it's, it's a powerful form of generosity, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. We all know that line. And yet sometimes I feel sorry for my neighbor. So use a thought in my mind to think something kind, John. We'll go with that. I appreciate it, man. And and then the thoughts turn into words so frequently. So we also are free if we choose to be generous in our words. Unpack that for us. Use what I say to make somebody's day. I mean, we know how powerful that is. When is the last time somebody gave you a specific, clear, affirming word? Let's just think about that for a minute. It comes to mind pretty quick. And for me, it was the other night at dinner. This guy just said, you're a really good storyteller. Man, that felt really good. We also know the last time somebody said something pretty unkind. And it it feels like it was yesterday. And it might have been five years ago or longer. And so I just believe being generous with our words is one of the most powerful things we can do. Hey, look, 
I'm sure I stole this from one of my previous guests on the wow factor, but his wow was people change, but seldom. <laughs> and then he also said, we're all starving for affirmation. It's just most of us don't want to admit it. I admit it. I like affirm- I like to be affirmed. We just think that teaching the generosity of words. And then, you know, another one, I just, if we could do a third one, because I love we're getting farther away from money, generosity of attention. Man, this is one, John, I kind of wish I would have left out, but I'm glad I didn't. It's my struggle. I mean, I carry this six ounce glass plastic technology thing. It's the anti-attention device. Don't we all know what it feels like to be fully present when we're talking to somebody and we're making eye contact and we're not, gosh, for Pete's sake, just go to dinner sometime and look around. What are we doing to ourselves? And by the way, I'm not judging. My wife the other night, I said to her, gosh, honey, can you believe all these people? They're out on a date. We're at a nice restaurant. Look at all these people on their phones. And she's got such a gracious, smooth way of saying, finally, like you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, I had looked three times at the phone, thought I was all subtle. And every time I did it, you know, she said, I just felt more deflated. I'll own that. Mm. I want to be generous with my attention. I don't get these seven right. But you know what? I wear them as a wristband and we teach them. And boy, you get around them enough. And you're like, every day I can play. I, I love it. I mean, this is my heart, man. And it's trying to figure out how to be intentional in our lives and with the gifts that we have and to make sure that we're being generous with the reflection in the mirror, with the people who are closest to us, but also with the gifts that we have for those we'll never meet again this side of eternity. Just be generous in the marketplace as a whole. When we read headline after headline of negativity and headline after headline of fires and shootings and bikes being stolen from Sudanese immigrants, how do we determine where we ought to be generous and where we should just say, well, man, I hope someone steps forward for them. Because if, if you make it all your problem, you'll lose everything else. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I, I had Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, who founded Folds of Honor on uh, the Wow Factor the other day. And he talked about how we have to be so careful what we put into our minds And he said, here I am a Fox News contributor and I don't listen to Fox. And so I took away from that, like, boy, I got to be really careful the input of information. And you mentioned that negative stuff. And I want to be aware, like this morning I was walking down the hill and I saw a garbage guy and uh, hardly speaks any English. And I just thought there's an opportunity. I thanked him in word. And then I got home and I'm like, why can't you combine it with a $20 bill? He might not understand English, but he understand a uh, piece of paper with a dead president's face on it. And that went into his hand and a big smile across his face. And I'm like, is that it? I can't always do that every day, of course. But, you know, these are opportunities around us. I say, if you think about the fact when you wake up, if you follow with God, great. If you don't, he's pretty cool to do life with. If you wake up and say, Lord, what adventure, what opportunities are you going to put 
this is all in front of us, right? I, I learned recently about the reticular activating system, the RAS. It's a little tic-tac thing, I think, in the back of the brainstem. And it helps you, John, once you become aware of something, to focus and, and notice that. Like, if think about it. When you bought a new car, you'll see that new car all over the road. Well, did those just fly out of the sky from Ford or Chevy? No, they were. you're just more aware. And I think as you hear the seven ways, generous thoughts, words, time, influence, attention, and sharing your belongings, and of course money, you will see, just like Scott at the dentist's office, we're never telling anybody to go to the dentist's office and wait for a single mom to say this, right? right. Stories just have a way of inspiring us. You know this because you we have we're kindred spirits through and through. It's like it, it's a better life. It, it's better for your health. It's better for your relationships. I mean, have you ever thought about do you introduce your friends to stingy friends? You probably have few stingy friends. They're a little tight in the hip and you know, it's a slow, slow to pick up the check or whatever. But you don't say, Oh, you gotta meet John. He's so stingy. Stingy Sally, she's such a special person. You gotta go meet her and take go to lunch with her. No, you never do that. So you get better relationships when you're generous too, generally speaking. And I'm just going to say it so it is heard so loud that you can't mistake what we're talking about here. Brad is not talking exclusively about $20 bills with that president's faces on the front of them. This is about generosity of spirit. And you mentioned this point earlier, but it bears repeating. Some of the most generous people you and I know and all of our listeners and followers know are those that have so little financially. They are so radically generous. They live differently. They love differently. They are different. They're incredibly attractive. So let me ask you just a couple of questions as we move toward the uh, the starting line of our conversation, not the finish line. It's where we're going to start, man. So uh, what's the benefit to us in being generous? You already made it clear the benefit that you were to that family in South Grand Rapids and to the lady at the dentist office and to the, the gentleman collecting your trash. Those guys all benefited from you. What is our benefit when we choose generosity? I believe that we were created to be generous. So when we live more like how we were created and whose image we were created, you're just going to live a better life. From a health perspective, uh, a friend of ours wrote the book, Why Good Things Happen to Good People. And he talks about how three acts of generosity during the week you end up living 10 years longer and taking half the medicine. Well, if that's not enough. But I, I think what goes beyond that is if you're someone who does have a faith perspective, I think of my sage of a friend, Stanley Tam. He just mm -hmm. passed away at 107. And Stanley would say, well, I just put it in the bank account of heaven. Because if I leave it in the Bank of America, then I got to manage it, think about it and worry about it getting lost. And so there is this, if from a faith perspective, lay up for yourself, uh, your treasure and your gifts in heaven. So there is something about beyond our life for, for giving too. So I don't know if that covers it for you, but relationships, health, and your future seemed like a good place to motivate it. And I would say this for me, every time I give, I feel less anxious. I mean, my gosh, look at this. 
how many times it doesn't matter the curveball comes in it's like ooh recession coming ooh inflation ooh the fastest punch to the face to all that crap and noise that nobody really knows about anyway is do your giving while you're living and that's giving your life away and a moment ago stanley some of our listeners may not be familiar with him but he he gave for the majority of his life 50% of his income away and this was not a, a very wealthy man in some regards but he gave what he had away and lived an incredible life he did his giving while he was living. Great example. Tell me this. For many of us feel like, man, I earned it. Like I, I worked for it. That she didn't work for it. That guy on the street is not working for it. That's it's mine. It's my time. It's my attention. It's my money. Why should I give that away? How, how do we? And this will be my final question before the Live Inspired Seven. How do we pivot our focus around giving from I have to or I ought to to I get to and I want to? What an intentional question. I think that giving is ultimately an issue of the heart. If we take the mind posture and you're able to go out and take a walk and think about what you think about and look at your life and say, do I really believe that my life is full by keeping everything that I have? You get to work that out in your soul. And if you convince yourself it is, take the step of asking to your closest friends, how do you experience me? And if they tell you that, oh, you're just amazing and all that. And by the way, don't go to your golf club guys in the league who are going to, you know, shine the apple and tell you what you want to hear. Go to people who are going to be honest with you because it's a gift. Feedback's a gift. Uh, I think you're going to get your answer there and then just try. By the way, this is not a straight line. Giving's messy. I write about that in my book. I like giving. There's a couple chapters. There's times I've been given and gotten totally taken advantage of. But you know what I realized, John? The dumbest thing I could do is be offended or get screwed over on a giving deal and stop giving. Right. Because if you net that out, all I'm going to do is steal joy from myself. So I think I think I'm going to go with keep on living generously. On December 18th, 1984, your grandfather wrote you a letter that you found about a year after he passed away. W would you recite that letter for us today? Yeah, if I if my arm was longer, I'd reach into the cabinet where I have it in a special glass case. I do carry one with me and uh, when I speak, that's a photocopy. But it says, Dear Bradley... And, you know, my mom thought it would be nice to leave out the E in my first name. So it says B-R-A-D-L-Y. Dear Bradley, Winston Churchill said you make a living by what you earn and a life by what you give. I thought this would be well worth remembering. Love, Gramps. You think about generous words. How long did it take him to write that at 14 fairly prophetic statement tucked away into a binder that I find later in life. Man, what I love to see his reaction to what we're up to today. <laughs> Bradley, my friend, we have seven things <laughs> that we wrap every interview with, and they're called the Live Inspired Seven. So buckle up, get ready for it. You are prepared, my friend. So what's been the most inspirational or impactful book you've ever read? I'm going to go with The Wild Goose Chase by Mark Batterson. 
he equates the wild goose in a reverent way, very reverent way to the working of the Holy Spirit. It's an adventure. You, It's strong. You don't know where you're going to go. What, what is one positive characteristic or one trait that you possess as a little kid growing up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? I wish I laughed even more than I do now. If your home caught fire and all living things are out and you have an opportunity of grabbing one item that really matters to you, what would you grab? I've got a little safe. I almost said where it is. Can you imagine? I just grabbed that safe and it's not big, but it just has some letters and documents in there that thumb drives to family memories and pictures and all that, that, that I would like to not have erased. A practical man grabs the safe with all of the uh, important belongings. If if you, with that little safe at hand, could sit on a bench on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anyone living or deceased, who do you want to be seated next to? I would love to have had more conversation with Herb Kelleher, who founded Southwest Airlines. Uh, the privilege of just interviewing their CEO a couple of weeks ago. You know, the guy liberated the American traveler, man. He fought hard to do something that I benefit from about every week when I'm on that airline. And they're not perfect, but he created something there. And I just love to learn more about his heart and zest for life and pretty powerful golden rule company example out there. What's the best advice Herb or anyone else ever gave you? So the best advice you've ever received, Brad, is? Oh, I don't know if it's the best, but I did have Herb hug me while he was smoking a cigarette, which is still magical, even though I thought I'd have a hole in the back of my shirt. He pushed his arms back and he was fully present with me. He, he asked me about me. 50,000 employees. He was fully locked in. They said, Herb, you got a conference call. I don't want to be on that blankety blank conference call. I'm here with my new friend, Brad. Be present. Be where your feet are. What, what, what advice would you give yourself at age 20? Recognize that to get to 90 or 100 trips around the sun, you need to be a little more intentional with how you treat your body. You got two knees. You got a set of hip, your hip socket there, you know. We're young. We do these dumb things with our body. We get on motorcycles. We pound our bodies into the ground for in teen athletics. And it's like, how stupid is that? You folks, we've got a long, long ride here. Let's space out the use of all those body parts. Warren Buffett said recently, I guess he went to a college group and everybody got excited. Buffett's coming. Buffett's coming. And, and he said, hey, I, I, I'm going to buy all of you a car. You pick it, whatever, I'm going to buy it for you. And then he paused and he said, but you got to keep that car your whole life. So pick wisely. And he said, well, that's kind of like your body. You have one, use it wisely. Bradley Formsma, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like yours to read? I would like it to say he prayed regularly and gave generously. Brad, thank you for praying regularly, for giving generously, and teaching the rest of us the power of what happens when you like to give. It not only changes the world, it changes your world. My friend, it has been a joy having you on our Live Inspired podcast. It's an honor to be here, man. Thank you for trusting me with your gang and the great work that you do.
My friends, that is Brad Formsma. He is the leader of the movement, I Like Giving. My name is John O'Leary, and today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired. Well, so frequently we see generosity as it relates only to money. I hope today's conversation served as a reminder to be more generous with others and ourselves. As we prepare for a very busy season of family gatherings, social events, and other stressful challenges, being more generous with our thoughts, our words, our belongings, our time, our influence, and our attention is one way that we can really change the rooms and the conversations that we enter into. And my friends, if you enjoyed today's conversation, you will love the one with Ami Campbell from Live Inspired Podcast 480. Ami will set you free from the grip that fear and insecurity have on us by celebrating what generosity can do for you in your health, in your relationships, and in your life. It's one of my favorite episodes. You're going to love it. So check it out right now at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. Well, my friends, I want to thank you for being part of our Live Inspired podcast community. And I want to thank you for knowing what I do which is that in spite of the challenges we face, the foundation is firm, the headwind is always real, and the best is yet to come. So for this time and until next time, my name is John O'Leary, and today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired. You know that Keeley Companies is all about fostering the world-class culture through their incredible cultural pillars. Well, it was time to add a seventh cultural pillar, Keeley Green. Guided by the mission to raise the sustainability standards by which they design, build, operate, and live, Keeley Green is dedicated to using a holistic approach to leave a positive impact on our environment, create a future that is sustainable for generations to come. In the words of Rusty Keeley, we are just getting started. You can learn more about that just getting started mentality and all the work they do by visiting my friends at Keeley Companies online at keeleycompanies.com.